Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Fred White, who's the Chief Commercial Officer at DevCycle, a relatively new company uh, with the aim of developing clean technology for a variety of metal recycling, recovery, and they're guided by the UN Sustainable Development Goals to develop low-impact metal processing technologies. Um, Fred's a geologist and an investor uh, with a decade of international um, resource sector experience. Um, primarily, obviously, firstly as a geologist, uh, but more recently as an investment analyst and a portfolio manager. And he's here today to tell us the story of uh, the cycle um, and what they're what they're looking to achieve. So that's welcome, out Fred, to the podcast. How are you doing, Fred? Hi, Rob. Great. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I appreciate your time. Um, and as we always start these podcasts off, um, and I get a lot of feedback and a lot of the audience like this part where they actually get to know the guest. Um, so I just wondered if you can give us a, an overview of your of your background, maybe from when you graduated um, and just run through your career to where you are uh, presently today. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a geologist by background from the Royal School of Mines. Started life uh, really on a project for First Quantum Minerals uh, in Zambia in the exploration team and doing a master's on, on that project. Uh, sadly, I graduated right at the turn of uh, the metals super cycle when all the prices were coming down and the jobs were drying up. So I went from the, the bush in Zambia to the mean streets of Mayfair, where I then uh, went to work for a fund, spent the next uh, you know seven to 10 years of my career on the finance side of the natural resources industry. So I've done everything from trade finance and financing flows. I've moved into private equity and done the project uh, project financing, and then all the way down in my uh, role before Des Cycle in seed funding, uh, exploration projects, and doing things like asset acquisitions of really early stage projects, um, and then moved over uh, to Des Cycle uh, shortly after it was founded. Um, talk about your career. Um, obviously, you're on the uh, the finance side. How important? And I, I get a lot of candidates. Obviously, um, ask for my uh, or ask for career advice. Obviously, as I'm a recruiter, um, how important was it for you to go and work in the bush, as you said in uh, Zambia? How important was it to get that grounding to work on site in an operation? Um, or yeah, maybe an exploration, but to get that um, to get that site experience before moving into where you have been, and obviously into the finance side. Yeah, I think I think fairly crucial. You know what it does give you is you know I say a bit of dirt under your fingernails. Maybe for me, it's you know like one fingernail compared to some of the seasoned vets there. But you understand how operations work and the problems you you see firsthand that are on the ground of you know how you run a you know exploration program in africa or it could be a you know a plant you're trying to commission in in canada 
they all bring a bespoke set of challenges where unless you've been there and experienced it, it's it's hard to understand on the other side of an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, totally. So would you recommend people always get that site experience when they first start out? No matter where that is, obviously you're you're from the from the UK. And there is, I suppose, limited opportunities for graduates here to work on site in the UK. Do you do you encourage at least everyone that's graduating to get out to site somewhere around the world? Yeah, if possible. It doesn't have to be, you know, like a 10 year career on site working six weeks on, two weeks off. You know, a year, two years is, you know, ample enough to at least get some dirt under the fingernails, as I was saying. But also what that does for you is it enables you, if you do want to go into the finance sector, to differentiate yourself from the string of other highly successful, highly prestigious graduates that are all coming through at the same time. So I originally got my first finance job on the basis that I was a geologist who has been at the site. And this uh, hedge fund was investing in metals, mineral, but also agri projects across Africa. And essentially what they'd be doing was sending maths graduates out to mine sites to do the due diligence. And it obviously doesn't make much sense because you can tell them everything and, you know, they, they, they might eat it up. But having someone there who can effectively, um, you know, smell when something's off is, is very valuable. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you can just give us a, a brief overview of uh, the cycle um, and the vision of the uh, company. Yeah, absolutely. So simply put, Des Cycle is aiming to change the way the world processes and recycles metal. We want to replace pollutive, high energy and expensive processes with a cheap and clean process based off a novel chemistry. Now this novel chemistry is something called deep eutectic solvents or DES, hence Des Cycle. It's a new class of chemistry with unique properties in which metals behave differently than in any other processing system in use today. And are you just UK based or are you global? Uh, so most of the team is based in the UK. The science is all in the UK. We've got two separate labs, one at the University of Leicester and one based with a group called CPI, the Centre of Process Innovation in the north of England. And um, why is it important to find a clean solution for recycling of metal? Well, it's all ties in to a, you know, a huge global project, right? The world is trying to reach net zero. In order to do this, we need to electrify the economy. That electrification requires a vast quantity of metals, much more than we use today, right? And all of that metal needs to come from somewhere. You can either mine it or you can recycle it. There's no secret that recycled metal has a much lower impact than mine metal. Therefore, increasing the percentage of recycled metal in the supply chain Will lower the impact of metal supply and ultimately be critical to achieving net zero. So what we're doing at Dead Cycle is first focusing on the e-waste recycling market. It's not only is e-waste the world's fastest growing waste stream with $60 billion of value generated in it each year, it's a market in which our technology can fundamentally disrupt. The incumbent technology of smelting burns e-waste, plastics and all, at extreme temperatures to recycle metal. The capex of the smelters is in the hundreds of millions to billions of dollars. And they also pose a significant human health hazard, hazard through the emission of metal particulates. And we at DevCycle just don't see that as a sustainable future-proof model of, of conducting business. So what we're doing is developing a low-energy, clean process 
that can recycle metals for a fraction of the capital cost. And this low capex and impact footprint will enable the recycle of metals on site at local scale, removing the reliance on global scale operations and importantly, offering a level of metal supply chain transparency Transparency that's not presently possible. What is a DES and how does it work? Yeah, so deep eutectic solvents or DES, it's a, it's a new class of chemistry or solvent chemistry. They're made of non-toxic, in some cases biodegradable, but importantly, mass-produced inputs. What they are is non-water-based mixtures of salts and organic compounds, which when mixed together in the right ratios, form a DES. So we can mix two solids together and a special reaction occurs that lowers the melting point or the eutectic point of those solids, whereby we can form a liquid from these two solids without the addition of any heat. And it gives DES some of their special characteristics and part of the reason why metals behave so much differently in a DES than a water-based system. So how DES works is simply by dissolving metals, simply like dissolving salt in water. Once the metals are dissolved, we can apply a range of recovery techniques to get the metals back out. And what's quite nice is the majority of standard recovery techniques in the metals industry translate very well into DES. So at DES cycle, we don't have to reinvent the whole wheel. The magic for us is all at the front end. And I should also add that DES is not just a single solvent chemistry. It is a, we call it a platform chemistry. There are millions of different possible formulations allowing us to selectively tailor DES to individual metals or groups of metals. And a really good example of how we're doing this is in our e-waste recycling process. So in our e-waste feedstock, one of the um, main components is gold, which drives a lot of the value comes from things we call e-scrap, which is printed circuit boards, motherboards, et cetera. So we've designed a system to selectively target first the base metals and then the other precious metals in the system. So we take out the copper, the nickel, the tin, then the silver, the palladium, and we dissolve all those metals into solution. But we leave behind the gold and the other inert materials like plastics, so forth. We then run those over a simple filter and they go into another DES formulation, which we've tailored to target gold specifically. And then the gold goes into solution. And then we have all our metals in solution in two different streams. And then we recover them using fairly standard recovery techniques. But like I said, the magic's all on the front end for us. And what are other areas in which DES can be utilized? Ah, well, the other area of focus for DES cycle is the application of DES in the minerals processing industry. And the opportunity is huge. And we're looking at several areas. So first is in the production of a low carbon nickel and cobalt from nickel laterites. We want to replace the incumbent process of HPAL or high pressure acid leach, which is a hard to finance, capital intensive, and quite frankly, just difficult processing method. Uh, we've also demonstrated proof of concept in increasing recoveries from tailings and also for refractory gold. And we're actually in discussions with one of the world's largest mining companies over a development partnership to fund advances in these spaces. And I should also mention that uh, we've received a UK government grant to look into the processing and recycling of rare earths, but this works at a slightly earlier stage. And is there any other sort of competitors or any other technologies that are similar to yours? And if there is, why, would, why is yours more unique or, or different from those? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we have competitors in a whole range of landscapes. So we have what we call the conventional competitors in e-waste. These are the smelters. These are the big guys like Glencore, Umacore, Boliden, who run these global scale smelting operations. And that's what we're trying to disrupt in e-waste. And likewise, you know, competition in the minerals processing side is the conventional way of doing things, you know, but the whole purposes of DevCycle is to replace these unsustainable processes. Then we have our, let's call them novel or innovative competitors, which are companies developing alternatives to the incumbent technology with different technology than DES. So there are groups like um, in the minerals processing side, um, Jetty Resources, Newton Copper, who are both going after copper sulfides uh, with uh, different hydro-based technologies. Why we're different is quite simply DES is different. And one of the key reasons why it's different is it's a non-water-based chemistry. Pretty much everything everyone else is doing is taking acids and just applying them in a different way or you know, bio-leaching and adding bugs in. And you know, quite a lot of this stuff's been around for a long time and it's not quite works. Theirs is completely new. It's completely different. It's a new branch of science. The whole branch is only around 20 years old. So there's so much to learn and to do here. And the opportunities are enormous. But simply put, a few of the key differences is metal dissolution uh, rates in DES are very fast, meaning we can do things generally with smaller equipment over a smaller time, therefore saving CapEx. We do everything at very low temperatures or ambient, ambient temperatures and also ambient pressure. So all of that translates to a low energy process. And then the last differentiator around DES, apart from the chemical interactions, is all the inputs we use are non-toxic. So with a DES formulation, you can stick your hand into it. And the only thing that would go missing is your gold wedding band. Now, DES is also unique and different from an acid-based system is when you use an acid or cyanide to recover a metal or a mineral, that acid is then consumed and you have to regenerate the acid, which produces CO2, or you need to neutralize and dispose of it, which again, generates CO2. And then you need to buy new acid to come in the front end. DES is not consumed in the process. It's more the media of dissolution. So we can recycle our DES solvent over and over again. In theory, we can recycle 100% of it. And you've, once you've done your first failure of tanks, you'll never run out. In reality, there are contaminant buildups and bleed streams we need to deal with. But that recycling of the DES also lowers the OPEX of the operation. And that's what makes us unique. And who, who are your clients? Are they mining companies? Are they EPCN companies? mining, processing, consultancies? And I suppose where yeah, do you so, come in? Is it during the design stage? So we have um, two different business models, uh, one for e-waste and one for minerals processing. And this is a virtue of how you get to the feedstock of what we want to process. In e-waste, the feedstock is collected by a whole host of what we call upstream recyclers who do the hard logistic works of collecting it from you know retailers, individuals, councils, et cetera. They then strip it apart into separate streams, so a plastic stream, a metal stream, another inert stream. And then each of those streams goes to what we call a downstream recycler. So rather than becoming a new large downstream recycler, we're looking to joint venture with existing recycling companies to partner with them, integrate our technology, and recycle that e-waste feedstock on site where it's generated. So we're going down a joint venture model there. We've already secured our first UK recycling partner, a company called Gap Group, 
and we're in discussions with several multinational companies. And on the minerals processing side, we have a separate business model where we will be a technology licensor. The simple reason is, you know, DeadCycle, we're never going to own and operate a mine. That's a different skill set. That's that's not what we do. We are a developer of technology. But what we can do is we can unlock value in deposits, which are currently uneconomic, and that drives a great value. So we are working with a range of uh, sizes of mining companies. Like I said, we're in discussions over a long-term partnership with one of the world's largest mining companies to fund advancements for DeadCycle. And I wonder if you can just tell us about the, the management team as well, because I'd imagine you've got a lot of different skill sets within the management team that are obviously driving driving the initiative and the company forward. Yeah, absolutely. So the current management team is made up of financiers, um, mechanical engineers, importantly, chemists. So I'll, I'll do a special shout out to our CTO, Rob Harris, who's been fundamental since the creation of the DES class of chemistry in 2004. So he spent 20 years working on developing this chemistry from first principles. Um, and the rest of us have a lot of experience in building and developing companies and bringing them to market. So we've got a nice balance between the technical side and the commercial side on the team. And um, we're also growing the team uh, right now, bringing in some individuals who scale businesses from startup to billion dollar valuations, particularly in the US, and some very big names in the mining industry, but I'll tell you a bit more about that later. Yeah. Um, and can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the, in the interest that you're seeing in terms of, of investment? Yeah, absolutely. So DevCycle recently raised £4 million, pounds, and the investment came from UK and US venture capital. And we were fortunate enough to attract some of the global leaders in the metals, metals industry such as Ian Cockrell, who's a director at BHP, Endeavor Mining, iPulse, Mark Kutufani, who was CEO of Anglo-American for nine years, uh, Stephen McIntosh, who was former head of innovation at Rio Tinto. So uh, that's just to name a few. So the, what, how I like to frame it is the guys who can see the matrix can see the value in DES and can see it's unique. Um, so that's been really powerful for us. Um, we're intending to raise a Series A in the next nine to 12 months. Uh, the focus of that will be to operate a pilot plant and do the design of the first commercial facility. Um, but out there, there's, there's a lot of headwinds in the venture capital market with everything going on in the world. There's the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. There's the you know collapse of the sky high valuations for the, let's say, quote unquote, conventional tech sector, which is mostly software. Um, which, by the way, I don't think the bubble's burst, but there's definitely a, a slow puncture there. Um, but what's interesting is we're not really seeing the impact of that yet. We're not seeing a slowdown in investor appetite. We're still getting cold approaches from funds via the website, um, which is really positive. And I think that's because what we're, we're known as a deep tech or hard tech company, which is basically a physical science-backed technology rather than the software. And I think this sector of venture capital and innovation funding has been protected um it's got it's not they don't have the exposures to the conventional you know tech i.e software space which has been getting the hammering of late um and ultimately i think the appetite remains is deep tech is what's going to change the world and get us to net zero you know it's not going to be a software program it's going to be hard technologies out there doing the jobs and replacing uh, the old unsustainable technologies how important is it to champion projects, uh, obviously such as this, uh, in the UK? Well, 
in my somewhat biased view, it's absolutely critical. So the UK, like many other countries, is looking at its critical metal supply chain and evaluating on how best to secure that. The problem for the UK is we're no longer a natural resource rich country and we've long lost the manufacturing processing industry infrastructure at a major scale. So we're somewhat of a disadvantage from a starting point. And also the UK government has a history of being perhaps less aggressive in its support for incentivizing business than other countries. So notably right now, the US is providing a string of cash incentives for these critical metals projects and recycling projects. And frankly, the UK is getting a bit left behind at this pace already. But if you look at what the UK does have, we have a fantastic pool of scientists and engineers. And the UK can be made into a ripe environment for technology innovation with the right incentives and funding. And importantly, that funding needs to be somewhat non-prescriptive and accepting that failures will happen in the pursuit of innovation. Um, you know, in my view, it's also unlikely the country the size of the UK will have control of a whole supply chain for any metal, not just a critical metal. So why not pick a link in that supply chain to become world leaders in? And again, in my somewhat biased view, the UK can become a global leader in recycling technology. It just needs to compete with the more aggressive offerings of other countries at the moment and to, you know, to steal a line from Pete Drucker, innovate or die. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, and what's the what's the outlook for the next sort of 12, 12 months? Yeah, uh, well, we're at a really exciting stage of our journey at Dead Cycle. So we are building a lab pilot plant or a benchtop pilot plant in the next two months, which will be ready by May and June. Uh, we are then finalizing an 18-month feasibility study this summer. And the next step for us is to build a large-scale pilot plant, which will be occurring at the end of this year. On the commercial front, we'll be doing lots of work to secure further commercial partners and locking up or capturing sources of supply. And lastly, um, I wonder if there's anything else that you want to add. Um, most of our listeners are people within the, uh, within the mining sector, whether they're mine engineers, geologists, process engineers, um, Obviously, also investors listen to this and obviously also um, mining service providers as well. So we've got a range of uh, listeners and audience that listen to these podcasts. Um, can you leave them with anything um, about Dead Cycle? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have the grand ambitions, as many companies do, to change the world. But with Dead Cycle, I generally think we, we have a shot at least to change how metals are processed. Um, so... If anyone out there listening wants more information on DES cycle or perhaps has some ideas how DES could be applied in an in industry or a project that's near to their heart, then please reach out to us and let us know. You can find us at DEScycle.com or on LinkedIn. Look me up, Fred White. Yeah, we, we can include those all in the show notes anyway, which will accompany this podcast. So, Fred, really appreciate your time. Thank you for educating the audience, especially on a, a new technology. Um, and we obviously wish you well for the rest of this year and thereafter. Perhaps you want to come on um, at the end of the year or next year to give us an update on how the how the uh, company is progressing and the technology is progressing also. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. I'd love to come back. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate the audience for listening. Um, please keep sharing this, these episodes to everyone out there around the world. 
um, no matter what country you're in. Um, obviously, this is new technology, um, important for obviously people within mine operations, but even um, some that are going into operation, maybe in construction, that may have not thought about uh, their, their processes. So appreciate you, obviously, continued support. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.